Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, we had some big action coming out of the central banks We had the Bank of Canada yesterday lowering interest rates from 1% to 0.75%. And today we had the ECB launching or uh, announcing the future launch of their first uh, QE program. In fact, yesterday they floated a trial balloon uh, that they were going to do $50 billion a month. And the market liked that. The euro sold off. But then today they came out with $60 billion a month. So I, maybe they leaked that uh, lower number so that they can surprise everybody with an even bigger QE and have an even bigger drop in the euro. And if that was their goal, they succeeded. Uh, the euro plunged, uh, biggest drop I've seen in a, in a while. And, you know, that's saying a lot. It was down on about 2% or something like that against the dollar today. You know, as, as much as the euro was down against the dollar, it was down even more. In terms of gold, because gold was up about 10 bucks. We closed above 1300, I think, for the first time since uh, August. But in terms of Canadian dollars uh, and euros, we're above 1600 Canadian dollars. Uh, Also, in terms of Australian dollars, gold is above 1600. The euro closed just below 1350, or, or gold closed just below 1350 euros. We're up almost 200 euros. 20%, 200 euros an ounce in less than 30 days. I mean, that is an enormous move for the price of gold. I mean, if the goal of QE in Europe was to make gold a lot more expensive for Europeans, they sure have succeeded. But of course, supposedly the real goal of quantitative easing, both in Canada, although Canada is not doing QE, they just lowered interest rates. But the goal of these central banks, whether it's lowering interest rates or doing quantitative easing, the goal is to raise the level of inflation, right? No, and all of the the, the major newspapers, uh, you know, all the economists are applauding this. They've been, you know, beating the drums for it. Here's a typical Bloomberg article. This is from a couple of days ago. The art, the title of the article is: The ECB may take a historic step this week to save the eurozone economy. Save the economy. Save it from what? And if you read the article, it's save it from deflation. Even though they don't even have falling consumer prices, right? They just don't have rapidly rising consumer prices. They have inflation of under 2%, right? And maybe for a few months, it's even sub 1%. I wonder how long that can last. But somehow, we've got to save the economy. In fact, that's what the Bank of Canada said. When they reduced their rates, they said that, They're doing it because they think inflation might be too low, and that's why they're taking this action. Now, Canadian inflation, as measured by their CPI, was 1.9% last year, and they're worried that it might be, what, 1%? Well, why would you worry about that? What is wrong with that? 
I mean, I feel like I'm in a twilight zone here, although I don't even know if Rod Serling could write an episode as bizarre as this, that people can actually believe that it's falling prices, or not even falling, just that prices aren't rising rapidly enough, right? That they're only rising 1%. And oh my God, we have to save the Eurozone. We have to save Canada from the threat that prices won't go up and we have to make sure that prices rise. You know, let me read a little bit of this article because as bad as the title is, the body of the article is even worse. And remember, this is even not in here as an opinion piece. This is news, right? This is supposedly news. So here's how the article starts out. It says the European Central Bank is weighing a proposal to inject as much as 1.1 trillion euros into the eurozone economy to stave off deflation. Now it defines deflation, a dangerous downward spiral in prices. Who's a, a dangerous downward spiral? I mean, are prices spiraling downward anywhere? Consumer goods? No, and certainly not in Europe. Prices aren't even falling. They're just not rising that much. Also, what's so crazy Right. The guy is worried that falling consumer prices are going to slow down economic activity. I mean, what about all the taxes and all the regulations and all the mandates? He's not worried that any of that is slowing down economic activity. Look, if the European government is really concerned about economic activity and what may or may not slow it down, the fact that consumer prices might drop somewhat isn't going to slow economic activity. Look, are, are more people buying cell phones now with the prices low than 20 years ago when they were high? Falling prices accelerates economic activity. The lower the prices, the more people who can afford to buy, the more volume you do. So falling prices encourages economic activity. Rising prices stifles economic activity. But if the Eurozone is worried about economic activity being impeded by something, it's not falling prices. It's their own regulations and taxes that are slowing down the economy, not the fact that people don't have to pay more to buy the things that they need. But then he goes on and says, he, he starts to write about the situation. He says, the first thing you need to know is that the Eurozone economy is very, very weak, right? According to the statistics, the unemployment rate is 11.5%. Growth in the Eurozone is less than 1%. And recently, the area has been experiencing deflation, a dangerous decline in prices that prompts people to delay making purchases and investments and drive down economic activity. No, it's not. They've had like one month, right, in the past year where prices went down. I mean, and they barely went down. They're like down one-tenth of one percent. That's experiencing a dangerous decline in prices? I mean, they're barely down. And then he's like saying, because they're down, people are delaying their purchases. No, they're not. There is no uh, evidence to suggest that anyone in Europe is delaying their purchases because prices are down. In fact, if anything, they're delaying their purchases because they can't afford to buy anything. And if prices went down, maybe they could actually buy. The reason they're not buying is because they can't afford it, not because they think the price might go down. Maybe the 11.5% unemployment rate has something to do with why people aren't buying. Maybe they're not buying because they don't have jobs. It's not because they think the price might go down. Again, nobody can even come up with an example of any good that they're not going to buy because they think it might be a percent or two cheaper if they wait a year. It's ridiculous. You know, there is a lot of unemployment in Europe, but the way to solve the problem isn't to make prices go up. That's the way to compound the problem. What they need to do in Europe is reform their labor laws 
Stop punishing employers for hiring people. Let's have some free market in employment. And, and now new people will have jobs. And if they have jobs, they'll be productive and they'll be able to afford to buy stuff. And the lower the prices are, the more they're going to be able to buy. But, you know, when Europe does quantitative easing, it lets the politicians off the hook because they assume that inflation is going to solve their problems. So we don't have to reform the labor laws. We don't have to reform our tax code. We don't have to cut government spending because this magic, this monetary magic is going to do the trick. But this all-out propaganda effort, when you read these articles in Bloomberg, in which they're just stating as fact that Europe is suffering a dangerous downward spiral in prices, when prices are in fact rising, and saying that they know for a fact that because prices are falling, people are delaying their purchases. They are not. Nobody is delaying their purchase. If they're not buying, it's because they don't have the money, because they're unemployed and because they're worried. They're not worried that the price might go down. They're just worried that they can't afford it. And if they can't afford to spend money now, if they can't afford to buy something at the current price, what hope do they have to afford it if they succeed in making the prices go up? If you can't afford to buy something, the only way you're going to buy it is if the price goes down. Not if it goes up. If it goes up, then you have no chance. Maybe if the price comes down, you might be able to do it. Or, of course, maybe if you get a job and you earn more money. But none of that's going to happen because those problems are not getting solved because the central bank is doing quantitative easing. Instead, they're compounding those problems. So now, not only will the unemployed not have jobs, but whatever money they have... You know, they're going to be able to buy less stuff because the prices are going to go up. The one place that I think both Europe and Canada will succeed is in driving up consumer prices. I have no doubt that they're going to do that. Now, some people might say, well, quantitative easing didn't result in higher prices in America. And I would beg to differ. I think it did result in rising prices. Uh, It's just that I think the CPI didn't necessarily capture it all. And a lot of the money did go into financial assets. And But I think more importantly, the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency, uh, we were able to export a lot of our inflation to our trading partners, particularly China. And I think there was a lot of inflation there because when the dollar goes down, it doesn't go down against the yuan. But neither Canada nor Europe are in that position. The Canadian dollar is not the reserve currency. Neither is the euro. The euro is not pegged to the yuan. So uh, the cost of Chinese imports is rising now for both Canadians and uh, Europeans. And up until you know recently, neither Canada nor Europe are running trade deficits. They have surpluses. So they're not exporting their inflation. They're going to have to deal with it. And I also don't know that they're going to get as big a financial boost out of QE. Because right now, QE is causing a flight out of the uh, the euro, for example, even though the DAX was up today, it was up uh, just over one percent. Right in terms of U.S. dollars, the DAX was down. In fact, in terms of gold, the DAX got clobbered. Our stock market, the Dow, was up two hundred and fifty nine points today. We actually got a bigger boost at a European QE than Europe, and of course, measured in in euros. Right, if a European looked at the big move up in the Dow, the Dow was running circles around. Uh, German stocks or any of the European markets. So I think what's, what could happen as a result of this QE is that more European money ends up in foreign assets, maybe not even some in the U.S. They might be in the Asian markets. Who knows where that money's going to go? But a lot of it could leak out of Europe. And so I don't think they're going to get 
as big of a as a phony boost to their economy. They're not going to get as big a you know QE high as we did because I think more money is going to flee the currencies and those asset markets, and they're not going to be able to export their inflation. So I do believe that before the end of the year, we're going to see uh, official inflation rates well north of 2% in both the Eurozone and now in Canada as well, uh, but in particularly in Europe. And the question is, what is the ECB going to do about it? Because if their goal is to lift, in, lift inflation, and they announced this open-ended, this QE program that can go on for a year and a half, what happens if just after a few months, or maybe even before they started, it hadn't actually started yet. They're just announcing that it's going to start. But what happens if before it starts, the inflation numbers already pick up to the point where we're already at the 2% level? Are they going to go through with it anyway? And what if uh, official inflation measures start to really move through 2%? Then what are they going to do? I think they're really opening up a Pandora's box here. Because remember, even though the goal is higher inflation, that's not really the goal. I mean, that's supposedly the means to an end. The real goal is to stimulate the economy, right? That's what Europe wants to do. Uh, That's what Canada wants to do. But they think that they need inflation to accomplish that. They don't understand that if your goal is to stimulate your economy and you succeed in creating inflation, you actually move further away from your goal. Because inflation is an obstacle to economic growth, is is an impediment. Is It's not a facilitator. You know, they also want to create jobs. Well, you don't create jobs by increasing the cost of living. You don't create jobs by making things more expensive, right? You don't create wealth by impoverishing your citizens. You know, a growing, healthy economy, when an economy is getting wealthier and more prosperous, prices are going down. That's what you expect, right? You, you're producing more. You have more abundance. And so things cost less. It's when you have a weak economy, a more bound economy, when, when uh, you're not productive, when the goods that you need are scarce, right? That's when the price goes up. So rising prices are a sign uh, of, of a country getting poorer. Falling prices are a sign of a country becoming more affluent. And obviously, you know, they're trying to impoverish a lot of people in Europe. Now, in the very, very short run, right, prices can come down in a weak economy because of the effects of having to liquidate your inventory. Companies are squeezed. uh, They have to cut their prices. So in the short run, right, you can have... Prices going down in a weak economy. But the ultimate effect is going to be the reverse. Because once you liquidate your inventory, it's gone. You're not going to replenish it. So you can have a temporary reduction in prices followed by a surge in prices. And that might be what is transpiring in the Eurozone. In some, that you had a relative uh, benign CPI because of the, you know, maybe the, the sales that were going on, the slowness in the economy uh, caused uh, businesses to have to wind down their inventories, but they're not going to be rebuilding those inventories to anywhere near prior levels. There's going to be a lot less stuff available for sale, and therefore the prices are going to go up. And I think that people are going to be surprised by how much prices go up. I mean, if gold is any example, if gold is up 20% in Europe, in just 30 days, what other prices are going up? I mean, gold is just one example of rising prices in the Eurozone. 
Right? Now, everybody's got a reprieve because oil prices have come down and they're still down. They're 46, 50 or so and else. But who knows? I mean, obviously, oil prices can spike at any minute. Who knows, you know, how long are they going to stay here? Meanwhile, if oil prices go back up to anywhere near where they were in dollars, well, then they're skyrocketing to new highs in, in, in terms of euros. So I think this plan is going to backfire. And maybe QE will finally be completely discredited because they're going to get inflation, but they're not going to get economic growth. Now, the question is, what about the United States? Well, again, all of this makes it should make it more and more obvious that we are not going to raise interest rates. And in fact, we're going to do QE of our own. Uh, you know, we continue to get more bad economic news. In fact, if you look at the unemployment numbers, the uh, weekly unemployment numbers that came out this morning, jobless claims, again, above 300,000. We came in at 307,000, not quite as high as the upwardly revised 317,000 from last month, but we still have back-to-back months of over 300,000. In fact, the moving average, the four-week moving average is now 306.5 thousand. And they revised last month's moving average up to 300,000 as well from 298. We are the highest. This is the highest the four-week moving average has been since July. This is a big deal. I mean, nobody is talking about this change in trend, but more and more companies are laying people off. More and more people are filing claims for unemployment. And I think that is a new trend that is going to accelerate as the year goes on. And I think it's going to show up in subsequent GDP numbers and non-farm payroll numbers. And the Fed hasn't even started to hike rates. Meanwhile, the dollar has caught this huge bid. We've had this huge run of the dollar. I mean, maybe this is all part of their plan, is that if they let the dollar run up high enough, and then they announce QE4 and the dollar collapses, it's collapsing from such a high level that they're a lot further away from a, from a dollar crisis, from a currency crisis. But I still think that we're not going to sit on the sidelines in this currency war, that we're going to come in, you know, with, you know, with all of our guns ablazing and that ultimately it's the United States that's going to win the war. But right now, everybody is is focusing on QE in Europe, rate cuts in uh, in Canada, and the strength of the dollar is pretty much uh, spilling over into into all currencies. And 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 the it's also spilling over into U.S. financial markets as people are buying U.S. stocks and U.S. bonds uh, as a way you know to get out of their own currencies and get into assets that are rising, but. If you're in Europe, right, instead of buying European stocks, why not buy U.S. stocks? That's what people are thinking, because our stock market is going up so much more than the European markets when you take into account the the currency effect. And, of course, that's how people are going to look at it. Uh, so that's another reason why they're not going to get the same benefit. They're not going to get the same amount of euphoria off of their QE that we got off of ours. But again, that's all it is. I mean, we've got a stimulus high right now. We've been so high on this stuff for so many years, we think the economy is recovering, but the high is already wearing off. And of course, when U.S. companies start reporting their earnings, I mean, half the earnings are coming from overseas, so all these earnings are going to miss, right, right away when they start reporting. So unless the stock market's going to just keep going up to higher multiples, Right. It has to adjust to the weaker earnings. So you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure 
on the Fed now not to hike rates at first and then to do QE later because they'll be able to say, why? There's no need, right? The dollar's so strong. Uh, why raise rates? And of course, if the economy takes a turn, if the unemployment numbers start to turn up, right, uh, then they've got all the cover they need. In fact, it looks to me that this media campaign where, you know, you got this guy, John Hilsenrath, and writing these articles about, oh, the Fed, the Fed is so tight. They're, 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 they're going to raise rates. They're on this path. They're certain to do it. They're certain to do it. The Fed probably knows they're not going to do it, but it's probably, it's, it's trying to make them look more hawkish, like they really were going to raise rates. And then, well, you know, they decided not to, you know, begrudgingly based on the circumstances, even though their, their, their intention is probably not to raise them at all, they still want to maintain this pretense, right, that they can raise rates when they, they can't do it. They can't prick the biggest bubble they've ever blown. I mean, look at how bad it was when the last bubble blew up. Look how bad the financial crisis was. And this bubble is gigantic compared to that bubble, which was also huge. So if we got into so much trouble when the last bubble burst, there's no way the Fed wants to find out how much trouble they're going to be in when this bubble bursts. Unfortunately, there's no way to prevent it. They can postpone it, which is what they will do. But eventually we're going to find out. But again, if the bubble doesn't burst, it's because the dollar bubble bursts first, right? Because they, they print so much money, they do so much QE because they're so afraid of this bubble bursting that they end up collapsing the dollar. And if you think the euro is falling fast or you think the Canadian dollar is falling fast right now, wait till you see how fast the dollar is going to fall. Because I think the dollar is going to collapse much faster than it, than it rises. And again, as I mentioned last, that's going to put a lot of pressure on countries like China that are maintaining dollar pegs, right? I think they're going to pull a Switzerland because they're not going to want to go down with our ship. They're going to want to sever the ties. And that's probably also why gold is rising. I mean, think about this. Gold is going up almost every day, even as the dollar is going up. And it's very rare to see gold this strong and the dollar rising, which means, again, gold is extra strong in terms of every other currency. And in fact, I believe that gold is going to make a new all-time record high this year, 2015, in just about every major currency. It's very close to a record high against the yen. Um, that could be the first one. But I think it'll make a, a, a record high against the Canadian, against the, uh, against the Aussie. I think it'll make a record high against the euro. It probably won't make a record high against the dollar. We might have to wait till 2016 uh, before the price of gold makes a record high in dollars. But you never know. You never know. I mean, it could it could surprise me. Maybe we, maybe we could do it this year, but it's most likely that we won't. But in terms of these other currencies, I think it looks like we will. Today's financial advisors behave like pro wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? 
If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.